Welcome to Beyond Your Why podcast, where we go beyond just talking about your why and actually help you discover and then live your why. You see, we believe that knowing your why, that driving force behind every decision you make and every action you take, is the essential first step to really knowing yourself. It allows you to move forward faster and have a bigger impact. If you're already a fan of the show, then you know that every week we talk about one of the nine whys, and then we introduce you to somebody with that why so you can see how their why has played out in their life. This show will be more powerful for you if you've already discovered your why. If you still need to do that, head over to whyinstitute.com and discover your why today. It'll only take you about five minutes. Now let's meet today's guest. Welcome to Beyond Your Why podcast, where we go beyond just talking about your why and actually helping you discover and then live your why. So if you're a regular listener, you know that every week we talk about one of the nine whys, and then we bring on somebody with that why so you can see how their why has played out in their life. And so this week, we're going to be talking about the why of better way. So if this is your why, then you are the ultimate innovator, and you are constantly seeking better ways to do everything. You find yourself wanting to improve virtually anything by finding a way to make it better. You also desire to share your improvement with the world. You constantly ask yourself questions like, what if we tried this differently? What if we did this another way? How can we make this better? You contribute to the world with better processes and systems while operating under the motto, I'm often pleased but never satisfied. You are excellent at associating, which means that you are adept at taking ideas or systems from one industry or discipline and applying them to another, always with the ultimate goal of improving something. So today, I've got a great guest for you. His name is Brian Sweet, and as a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for multiple years running, Brian has been on the mission to help people live their retirement dreams since the start of his career in financial services back in 1979. It is because of this that he created his proprietary, The Dream Architect, which not only helps his clients maximize their distribution planning in retirement, but also helps them strive for and accomplish their biggest dreams. With Brian's vast industry experience, he has also partnered in multiple entities, including Ultimate Advisor Coaching and the Elite Wealth Advisor Symposium, which support high-performing financial advisors across the United States in the growth and scaling of their businesses. He and his partners do this through teachings on team management, marketing and automation, best practices, and all that it takes to build a high-class and scalable advisory practice. The bottom line is that Brian thrives on helping others experience the growth and freedom that he has created in building a world-class financial services practice, all while living the life of his dreams. Brian, welcome to the podcast. So great to be here, Gary. Thank you. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I've been looking forward to this. So, uh, me so too, absolutely. Let's do this. Let's go back in your life. Take us back to high school. Take okay. us back to what were you like in high school? <laughs> Very interesting. I'll just maybe start it out with my nickname used to be Hyper. So that <laughs> might give you a little background on how I might have been in school, but... <laughs> I was always pretty active in everything I did, and I couldn't sit still very long. And I kind of think about myself today and the things that I do, it applies today. And I'm not willing to just 
keep the status quo, if you will. And so we're probably early people predicting what direction I might go. Mm -hmm. So give us an example. Like what were you hyper about in high school? What are some of the things that you did while you were in high school to give us a sense of this? Well, I, I don't know if I could give you one specific example, but I was just like ever ready bunny. And I was always going somewhere or doing something. And I never slept a lot and I still don't today. And so I think just by how I was acting and what I did all the time, that's just the nickname that my friends gave me. So were you into sports? Were you into drama? What were the things that you liked to do in high school? I would tell you, I'm not a, wasn't a great athlete, but I was wrestler and I was in football. One of the things I really loved to do was weightlifting. And so I was the captain of the weightlifting team. And so that, for whatever reason, I happened to maybe excel at that. So I liked that probably more than anything else. I was also pretty good in school. I had my fun with my other buddies, but I always made sure I got my homework done, if you will. So I got through uh, school well. And where did you grow up? I'm in a little town and where I went to high school, I still live today. So it's a little town in Minnesota called Fairmont, Minnesota, population a whopping 10,000. I always like to tell people if there are two people at the stop and go lights, that's a traffic jam. But it's been a great little community for myself and all my business people. And we're very fortunate with technology and whatnot that we actually can work with clients in 35 different states and four different countries. So for those of us that didn't have that opportunity and never will, what was it like to grow up in a town of 10,000 people? How many high schools? I mean, you just felt like you knew everybody or what was that like? Yeah, I guess I'd never thought about that. That's a great question. I would tell you it's amazing. We had a really, really close class. We had one high school, one elementary school. Everybody kind of knew everybody. And there was just like a typical high school. There was like the east side and the west side or the north and the south, where you kind of had like little clicks, if you will. Fortunately, I've always seemed to be somebody that got along with everybody. So that turned out to be very helpful in relationship building later on today. But as, as I thought back, that's probably where it started is I thought everybody, there was nobody better than anybody else and everybody had some value to add. And so good to get to know and be friends with as many people as you possibly can. But we have a great little town. There's five lakes right in the town. So lots of activities. The summer we went swimming and you know outside activities. So I would tell you, being in, from a small town, very helpful from a business standpoint, because if you do good things, word travels fast. And consequently, if you don't do things good, it, the word travels fast. So but it was a great experience and still friends and business acquaintances with a lot of my high school friends. Okay, so you graduate from Fairmont High. Is that what it was? Fairmont yep. High? Yep. And then off to college. Where did you go to college? Well, I must get lost easy because I didn't travel very far. I went to a division of the University of Minnesota in a town called Mankato. And back then they used to call it Mankato State. So it's 50 miles away from Fairmont. But it was a great big state school and gave me some flexibility to come back to work in the summers without traveling very far and took up business and a minor in accounting when I was in college. And 
one of the great things looking back at what kind of got you to get started, my mentor in college or my college advisor, he was in charge of the marketing department and he was voted like the number one teacher for like three years in a row. And he's the one that actually got me in my career while I was still in college. So how did he do that? Well, some kind of a business major. So I was taking all the business classes and finance and I loved accounting, loved numbers. I was going to be a minor in accounting. And I just couldn't figure out or with even with his help what I really wanted to be when I graduated. And so fortunately, looking at it now, my mom would have told you this was the worst decision ever when it happened. But He was also the division manager for a life insurance company. And he said, well, as long as you don't know what you want to be when you grow up, why don't you consider selling life insurance? And if nothing else, it'll be great teaching, great experience. You'll learn lots of skills. And so not knowing any better, I just said, oh, let's give it a shot. First time I told my mom and Dick came down to tell my mom, I thought she was going to have a heart attack and pass out. But fortunately, it all turned out well. What did she not like about it? Well, I think if you just think of the standard stigma of a life insurance person, that's the one guy where you see him at a party, there's no one talking to him because they're afraid you're going to get sold something. And I think that was kind of her stigma originally. But looking back, he was so instrumental in teaching me skills that I needed so much and still use today, even to the extent I learned how to tie my first tie with him. And he just gave me lots of introductions and spent a lot of time with me. And ultimately, he turned out his whole family are clients of mine today. So it was kind of like the reverse of the whole thing. He helped me and now I'm helping them. That's awesome. Okay. So you're at college. Your advisor gets you moving in the direction of life insurance. You graduate. Then what happens? Well, I stayed in the insurance business and there was an opportunity through some relationships that he had started where I opened an office in Mankato. And so I started up there and I started while I was still in my senior year of college. So whoever would talk to you, your college buddies and family and friends. And so I just continued that for a year or two up there. And then I said, well, where do I want to spend my time? This is going pretty well. I was doing pretty good. And ultimately I said, well, I know a lot more people in Fairmont. So maybe what I should do is just move back to my hometown because the opportunities are probably greater there just because of the people that I've known over the years. So then I just made the gradual transition back to Fairmont. Okay. So you started in insurance, moved back to Fairmont, we're in insurance. And then did you add the financial piece to it or how did that happen? Yeah. So how that worked is I was working for a insurance company. And as I got more technical knowledge and understanding and started talking to clients and just learned a lot more about the industry, I quickly became familiar with that one company didn't have the best products and vehicles for every situation that I came across. And I'm going, well, who do I really work for? Do I work for the insurance company or do I work for my clients? Well, I quickly and rightfully answered that question correctly. And I said, I work for my clients. 
And so shortly thereafter, I just said, well, I have to become independent and be able to represent literally any company that's in the best interest of my clients. And then just kind of a natural progression, clients were asking certain things. And way back when I started, the old investment industry was like mutual funds, and they used to charge eight and a half percent upfront commissions, crazy uh, thoughts back then. But people were asking questions and so slowly got into that and then ultimately did a lot less insurance simply because I don't have a lot of control over the underwriting and who can get accepted. But I had literally all the control on all the financial planning side. So then we just naturally gravitated to the areas where we could be the most helpful and we had the most control. Better way. Better way. Yeah. So you found a better way to help people with their finances and their planning. So that was how many years ago that you made the switch really from focusing on insurance to focusing more on financial planning? 1987. So I started in 79. So maybe eight years into my career and opened up my own individualized office. At the time, it was called Sweet Financial Services. Later, we became Sweet Financial Partners. But so, yeah, that would have been in uh, 1987. Okay. So tell us about the dream architect. Yeah, the dream architect. I'm in a, a mastermind group called Strategic Coach. have been in that for, I don't know, 23 years. Dan Sullivan, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably have heard of Dan. And Dan just helps you create a better way of thinking as a business owner. And so part of that class was how do you differentiate yourself and how do you show up different with your clients? And so about 10 or 12 years ago, we were doing an exercise of trying to take what you did and create a process and name the steps and whatnot. And I've always been kind of fascinated with dreams and motivational things. And just in talking to clients, one of the things I noticed is that clients after time, like when you're a young kid, everybody wants to be an astronaut and a fireman and everybody's got these big aspirations. And then it seems like life happens. And a lot of times people just, for whatever reason, just let life happen to them instead of making it happen. And so I thought, well, if we can make as part of our process something to help their dreams come true, wouldn't that be extra helpful and also be a differentiator? So we just created the platform, which we've now trademarked and called it the Dream Architect. And so it's all about all the financial planning concepts, but also creating your vision for what you'd love your future to be and help people think a lot more out of the box. So give us an example. What do you mean by if you're going to take somebody through, first of all, how do you define dream? And then, so if I'm hearing this for the first time, I'm listening to this podcast and I said, oh, dream architect, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. What are we talking about here? How do you help someone define, are we talking about where they want to be at the end of their life? Are you talking about where they want to be when they retire? Are you talking about, what are we talking about here? Yeah, it would be all of those things. It's essentially a four-step process. And the most important part of it is step one, which is called visioning, where you just sit down and we have a conversation about if anything in life were possible, what would you like to see happen? What are the problems and 
issues that you're dealing with today? What are your dangers? What are your opportunities? Just try to get as much information about pressures and concerns that they have, but also then spend a lot of time on kind of the what if or the bucket list, for lack of a better word, of if anything were possible, what would you like to do? The first time we started asking kind of those big picture questions or the dreaming kind of questions, if anything were possible questions, people would just glaze over because no one had ever asked them, but they'd never really thought about it. They just kind of go to work and, and graze the family and whatever happened is what happened. And I am just such of a belief because I've had these things happen to me that what you think about and what you put in your mind, those things just kind of pop up and help you get there. And so I'm trying to get people to think about where they would like to be. And then I want to be a constant reminder and a source to help them get there. Because if they're thinking about it and at our reviews, I'm thinking about it when I can bring the resources to them, or they'll actually start seeing things that help bring those things to fruition. And so it's just learning as much as possible. And it's an ongoing thing because for a lot of people, it's a little woo-woo to begin with, like, what the heck are you even talking about? And then once we have a really good idea of what would make their life like utterly fantastic, then the step two is we need to put a blueprint together on how we're going to get there. So these are all the different methodologies, steps, could be anything from tax planning to introductions to different individuals that we collaborate with that might provide other services. And so create the blueprint. And then once we go through the blueprint with them and they've said, hey, that's really good. I love that. Let's tweak this one a little bit. Kind of like building a house. You might change the design a little bit once you see the blueprints. Then we'll finalize the blueprint. And then we'll go through the build process, which is just actually making what they said they wanted on the blueprint come to life. And then after we've made it come to life, then it's just a constant ongoing maintenance, otherwise just reviewing it to make sure, are these the things that you still want to do? Are these still the timeframes? And if anything has happened, what do we need to do to tweak it so you're always on schedule? Or if something changed, what do I need to do to make sure I take that left turn instead of going straight so that I'm always on track for whatever is important to me? And so that's the four steps that we use, but it's really just customized to them. And then we just have a big emphasis on uh, lots of questions about getting them to think about their ideal future. Not only what's their ideal future tomorrow, What's their ideal future in retirement? What's their ideal future? Literally any of those timeframes. Those are just seem to be things that people don't normally get asked. No, not at all. So the four steps were you got to do the visioning. Once you've envisioned it, you got to create the blueprint. Third step is you got to build the process. Yep. Fourth step is you got to maintain it and review it. Correct. I'm sure people are thinking this. What's the most fascinating vision you've heard that you've helped create? Hmm. Wow. Well, actually, it's kind of an interesting thing. We've tried to collect these. And when you walk into the office the first time, there's a wall before you get into the office. And it says, it's your dream and we'll help you get there. And it's pictures of clients' actual dream accomplishments. 
that we've helped create over the years. So it's kind of a constant reminder. And then we have a little story tour that goes with that when we get first introduced to people. And that's obviously an integral part of introducing the dream architect process. But as far as like the most outstanding one, the one that kind of rings a bell is I had some clients that were retiring and they've kind of really been disciples of what we do and been long-term clients. And so we took them through this process and we created a dream board for them. And one of the things that they did is every time they went somewhere or did something on the dream board, they took the dream board with them when they traveled. And then they'd take a picture and they'd send it to us from wherever they were doing it. And that particular couple had They wanted to do a Route 66 trip with their grandkids. She wanted to write a book. There was a foundation that they wanted to create and all of which they got accomplished. But the reason these people ring a bell is what happened is her health took a really bad turn and she ended up with a kind of a brain disorder and things weren't very good. And the rewarding thing for us and also for them is because they went through the process, they literally got everything done on their dream list prior to that happening. And so they can look back very favorably. Now, she's fortunately recovered and doing much better, but just not in the condition where they can go out and do lots of other things that might have been on the list that didn't get accomplished. So That's probably the one that just jumps out at me the most just because of what happened after that forced them to hopefully continue to do well, but they wouldn't have got anything else probably done on the list. So what are some typical dreams that you hear? Is there like a, do you hear, are there like patterns to dreams? Are there similarities between what people say? You know, because I'm trying to think of myself for myself and I'm sure people listening are thinking in their own mind, okay, what would my dreams be? What is it that I haven't done that I want to do? And what do you typically hear? Yeah, we really are trying to create even a better list of questions to get people to even think deeper. But I would say a lot of family-oriented things on how to help family members accomplish something. Definitely vacations of some exotic form tend to pop up a great deal. But what I've found is experiences of any type are the things that people remember. I'll remember one client who we had a review and was chatting with her and I could just tell she was usually this really upbeat, happy-go-lucky person and she just was a little down. And so I just stopped the conversation and just said, is something going on? Because I can just tell you're not your normal self today. And she says, yeah, I just got off the phone with my son and They wanted to take, and she's got three children. They were going to do this big family trip with all the grandkids. And she said, I had to tell them no, because I just didn't feel comfortable affording that. And I went, what do you mean? You never even brought this up. And so I just kind of stopped the conversation. And we use detailed financial planning software that plugs in all the numbers. And so we can quickly decide whether you can have this expense or that expense. And so I had all our updated information and I just applied the cost of what this trip would be. And I said, you absolutely can do this. And all of a sudden her whole demeanor changed. While we were on the phone, we got her hooked up with the travel people, the airlines. And to this day, this actually happened, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. 
The first thing she says every time I talk to her, her name's Kathy, is thanks again for making sure I did that family trip because it's an experience that I'll never forget and never probably be able to repeat again just because the kids get older and not everybody can get together. And so it's things like that. So it's very gratifying to me, but also I need to get better at drawing those things out of them because I'm finding people can think bigger and better, but I've got to be somewhat of a better motivator to maybe make that happen. Hmm. Yeah, those are hard conversations, but they're just things that we don't ever think about. It's we, right. We're doers and not thinkers so often, right? Yep. So have you seen that dreams have changed over the years? Have the things that people dreamt about changed or has it been pretty, pretty standard? I would say I ran into, let's just, I mean, I'll word it this way. I saw four additional issues that continuously popped up after we've been doing the dream architect for a long time, and they weren't being solved in the regular dream architect process. And those four items were, we helped them with all the wealth and creating things for their kids and vacations and whatnot, but several things popped up. And so the first one that I continually noticed was dealt with purpose. And where this applied was somebody that Maybe it was a business owner or a high-level executive, and they're retiring. And their whole persona is of this business owner and all the people they help, their clientele. And all of a sudden, they're going from that to something different. And in a lot of cases, what they were going to, they really didn't know or hadn't thought about it. And that transition, in a lot of cases, just didn't really go well. They didn't know their why, (laughs) which obviously applicable for this podcast. And so we uh, wanted to be helpful with that. The other thing that we noticed in the example I gave earlier, but people ran into health and longevity issues. So they had all this money and then something health-wise happened and or their lifespan is going to be shortened. And so... I said, what can we be doing or who can we be collaborating with to help them understand things that they can do to help with that? Third one would be legacy, which is helping maybe pass values down to the next generation or their grandkids or their kids. And part of that would also be we ran into a lot of clients that wanted to be charitably inclined, but they were just nervous about doing it while they're living for fear they might run out of money. And the problem with that is if you do it after you die, obviously you don't get to see all the great benefits that you were able to deliver. And I would think half of the joy of being charitable is to seeing the good yourself. And so it's to try and create better methodologies to get people to understand that maybe you can have your cake and eat it too. And what are some of the different methodologies? And then the last one was experiences. So a lot of business people or just people in general, work, 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 go home, eat supper, go to bed, work, 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 and never got to really maybe do as many vacations or experiences as they would have liked. Or even if they had the ability and understood them, maybe they were such unique ones 
that they didn't know how to go about, who do you find and who can help me with that? And so they consequently never got done. And so because of that, the thing that we're working on now is we've kind of taken the dream architect process and we're creating a new platform called the dream architect life that actually has all five of those pillars, wealth, purpose, health and longevity, legacy, and experiences all together so that we can help control the concerns and other things that we didn't see getting done. Now, I'm not the one delivering the experiences and things, but we're collaborating with people like yourself and others that are experts in those areas and making people aware of, if I've got this issue, these are people that can help you overcome that to make that negative, turn it into a positive. And so we're going to be creating a three-day immersive where you can actually come to the event and we'll talk about all five areas. We'll do a deep dive in one particular topic. The first one we're going to be doing is going to be health and longevity oriented. And so I think from my standpoint, like how do I help propel and make more of these dreams come true? Seems like that direction is going to be helpful and maybe make it more available to more people also. What is it that you believe, Ryan, about dreams? I'm very much a believer that dreams do come true, but you do have to have it front of mind. And I'm very much a believer that what you think about is what happens. Because I've just personally experienced it so many times And your brain doesn't know the difference between any input that you give it. But its job is to go out and find resources for whatever you're thinking about. So if you're thinking about positive things, if you're thinking about dreams, you're thinking about a better life, those things somehow, I don't know how this happens, but they just pop up because your brain is looking for that information. And when you're looking for it and it shows up, if you're receptive to it and then take the action steps, and that's where we're really helpful, is if you're not seeing it, we may have already known what that step is. If I know it, maybe we've already experienced it or had a client experienced it. And I can say, this is your next step that you need to take to make that from a thought to a reality. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I think we had talked about this one time before where I was at a gentleman's house who was this billionaire in Palm Desert, and he had this room that was... Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was 360 degrees of glass. It was like you were standing in a glass room on top of this hill overlooking Palm Desert, and he had miniatures of all of the... He had the number one dream home in the world, the number one dream yacht, the number one dream the best of the best that you could possibly have. And I asked him, I said, so do you ever use this room? And he said, well, I only go in that room when I want to dream. Are dreams important? And he said, dreams are the most important thing that you have. I would totally agree with that. And I thank you for reminding me of that story. I do recall that. And that was taking that concept to another level, you know, in that example. Yeah. Yeah, because he started as a newspaper salesman and built his way all the way up to own Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and just lots of different things. And it all happened because of his ability to dream. And most of us throw dreams in the back burner, right? We don't even consider how valuable 
a dream is. And the other point, Gary, is if you think about it, a lot of times you may have a dream, but then you let somebody poo-poo it. Like, what do you mean? You want to do that? Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, it's absolutely not ridiculous. You just don't want to be hanging out with that person anymore because they're going to be the Debbie Downer that makes it not happen. There are a lot of people out there that, and you and I know lots and lots of successful people, and the same story comes out is whatever you think can actually happen, and you can create your own possibilities, and you just can't be around people that don't have that same mentality. And so you just got to be really conscious when you want something in life or you have a dream. If somebody's telling you you can't, just you know, not that you can permanently get rid of them, it might be a relative or something, but just don't spend a lot of time with them when you are trying to accomplish something bigger. That's such a huge thing. And I just think there's so many naysayers in the world that can squelch that, but there's also a lot of people that want you to win. And those are the ones that are going to be the most helpful. So do dreams have a time frame on them or do they have like a deadline or is it just a, how do you separate dreams from a wish? Yeah, never thought of that actually, but that's a great question. I think to a certain extent, you can create your own time frames with dreams, but obviously you got to be realistic about it. I want to be a multimillionaire tomorrow. That's not going to happen. But if you understand the actions you need to take, and you're willing to accept that the input that'll continually come when you have that as your framework, it will happen. So sometimes I think what also happens with people is they give up a little too soon, maybe the right time perspective. And so that just kind of filters away because they gave up and then they're not front of mind anymore. I see that a fair amount. And so one of our roles is to be, one, the reminder, this is important to you, two, the encourager, and three, be the constant supplier of background information that helps them get to where they want to go. What I have found, Brian, is that the more you talk about a dream, or the more I talk about a dream, the easier it becomes to talk about, Mm -hmm. the more likely it is that it's on its way to happening, and the more that other people know about it and then want to be part of it. Because I remember the first time I thought about impacting a billion people, helping a billion people discover their why, how, and what, so they can make decisions and live a life of passion. When I first said that, I see people look at me like, what? And then the more I've talked about it, the more logical, I don't know if it's logical, or the more obvious it has become that it's going to happen. And the more people that have said, hey, I want to be part of that, that have introduced me to the right people to make it happen. Yeah. But if I had stopped saying it and only kept it internal, it wouldn't happen. I don't, I, well, I don't know if it would happen. I wouldn't have the help to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. That's such a great explanation of it. And first of all, I will just compliment you for what you do and the why of yourself and knowing it is hugely important. I mean, it obviously ties in with purpose. Because if you don't get that right, you're never going to go in the right direction and never will be as happy as you could be. So kudos for all your efforts there. But to take off on what you just said, in building this dream architect life, you just nailed everything I'm experiencing in building this new platform. So it was a concept. So then you started talking to people and they went, 
hey, that sounds pretty interesting. Have you thought about this? Let me introduce you here. And then that went from one thing, and then pretty soon Forbes and Barron's and Private Wealth and Bloomberg are writing about the concept. And then pretty soon you're getting introduced to other people and people want to help you do it. And all of a sudden it just accelerates the growth because you had a good idea. They want to be a helpful to promote it because it's going to do good in the world. And it's been crazy. But I just, until you said just exactly what you said, I've never thought about that, but that's a hundred percent of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So the key is figure out your dream and then talk about it. hundred percent. That's a revelation for me. Thank you. The more you can talk about it, the more likely it's to happen and others will help you. Yeah. So Brian, if there's people listening that say, man, I love what he's doing. I want to connect with him. I want to figure out my dream. I want to plan my steps. I want to start talking about it. I want to be excited about something. I want to go in the right direction. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best thing is, I'll give you several ways. One, if you just want to know a little bit more about Sweet Financial Partners, our website is www.sweetfinancial.com. If you have a individual question about the dream architect or what we're creating in the dream architect life, you can just email me personally at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at Sweet Financial. And then our dreamarchitectlife.com platform is coming along. We're creating, and that'll be rolled out first quarter of 2023. So we haven't got the final website, but it'll be done shortly. So that'll be a little more to learn about the dream architect life, which is a separate platform. Great. Okay. Last question for you. What's the best piece of advice you've ever given or the best piece of advice that's ever been given to you? Another great question. I would say it's maybe two points. First of all, don't give up or people give up too quickly. But I would also say when something bad happens, don't look at it as a negative. So when things happen to me, I look at it as either I won or I had a learning experience. So when something bad happens, it's just giving you clues on how to do it better next time. And it's so easy to get down on ourselves. And if you just had those two mantras where either you won or you learned something, then whatever happens, it's always good. And that keeps you encouraged. And I personally have found that if that's my mindset, then I just keep my excitement for whatever I'm doing until it actually becomes reality. What if that's a better way thing? Because that's how I see it too. That's a, yeah. I look at it as something better is going to come out of this. But I'm wondering if somebody with a different why would see it the same way. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, great question. Yeah. Yeah. Just take our word that that's the way you want to think, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're thinking, think how like, think like me. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. It's been a great conversation. I love what you're doing. I love the direction you're taking this because you're adding the dream aspect to just the money saving aspect of financial planning. Yeah, we can all save money. We can all make money. But if we don't have a reason for it that excites us, well, then why do it? Yeah. Well, it's been absolute pleasure to be here, Gary, and keep up your great mission that you're on and appreciate your time today. Thank you. So it's time for our new segment, which is Guess the Why. This is where we bring a celebrity name or somebody that you're familiar with, and we try to guess what we think their why is. And so in this case, I want to use Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So he's been in so many movies that you guys have all seen. He's got a new one coming out. 
seems like a new one coming out every week or so, but The Rock was a football player and then got into wrestling and then got into movies. Now he does kind of everything. And so what do you think his why is? I think The Rock's why is make sense. I think it's to make sense of the complex and challenging. He's a great problem solver. He figures things out. He's amazingly capable, has an amazingly high capacity. And so I'm going to guess that his why is to make sense of the complex and challenging. Let me know what you guys think. So thank you so much for listening. If you've not yet discovered your why, then you can do so at whyinstitute.com. Use the code podcast50 and you can discover your why at half price. Now, if you love the Beyond Your Why podcast, please don't forget to subscribe below and leave us a review and rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to our podcast. Have a great week and I will see you next week. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and that through today's guest, you heard how important it is to know your why and how impactful it can be in your life and the lives of those around you. Be sure to head over to whyinstitute.com and discover your why today. Remember, the more you know about yourself, the more you'll know about others. I'm Dr. Gary Sanchez, and I'll see you on the next episode.